Welcome aboard the panel on RNZ National, Boopsy Moran and Chris Finlayson this afternoon. Now, due to an underslip, State Highway 3 was closed at the Awakino Gorge, south of the intersection with Awako Road. That has reopened under a stop-and-go system. All right, already a big response on this and really mixed as well. Stats NZ released their food price index, food rising 12.5% in the year, ended April, the highest annual rate since late 87. The main drivers over the year were a 14% rise in grocery prices and over 22% for fruit and vegetables. And so there have been calls to ditch the goods and services tax. That is a uniform 15%. Te Pāti Māori have made removing GST from food uh, one of the issues, uh, a core policy statement and some foods in Australia they are GST GST free so are fruit vegetables fish cream cheese and eggs they're GST free snacks ice cream biscuits they do have GST in Australia bread rolls are GST free unless they are sold at a restaurant. To look at the wider issue here, we have Boyd Swinburne. He's a professor of population, nutrition and global health at the University of Auckland. Professor Swinburne, kia ora. Kia ora, Wallace. All right, so this issue pops up every now and then, doesn't it? But it's an election year and here we are talking about it again. What's your view on GST on fruit and vegetables? Yes, well, the increase in food prices, and especially fruit and vegetables, is really striking at the moment. Um, it's striking households that are really struggling. And the, a poll that we did recently found that it was the biggest problem that people had on the cost of living was the cost of healthy food. So, listen, there are a number of potential um, actions and uh, that, can, that can help to alleviate that. And the GST one, the zero rating of GST for healthy food or for fruit and vegetables, comes up quite frequently. Um, and there's always quite a bit of debate about that. Um, the first bit of debate, of course, is that it's a, a holy mantra of, of administrative efficiency for a flat GST rate. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that should be the total priority. And then there's questions about what's, dis- what's considered healthy or not, or a fruit or a vegetable or not. And I don't think people should worry about that. We've got lots of um, nutrient profiling and ways of, of doing that, and many countries do it. So it, while it might be a bit fuzzy at the edges, that is entirely feasible. I think the main issues with a zero-rating GST is around defining what the policy objective is. Is this to reduce um, increased fruit and vegetable consumption? Is it to reduce the prices? Is it part of um, improving nutrition in the country? Um, so that's the first issue to kind of work out for any policy. And then the second is, um, you know, if it if you do get that, will it work? Does it work to increase um, fruit and vegetable? Will it be passed on? And will people then spend more on fruit and vegetables? And I think that's, um, that's probably the case, but it's much less clear than, say, for example, if you put a tax on sugary drinks, that'll definitely reduce consumption of sugary drinks. And then the final um, piece we really need to consider is really whether this is what's called regressive or progressive, you know, does this hit um, high-income, low-income people um, harder or does that give them more benefits? And it's probably a little bit of a balance. It might hit them a bit hard. It might uh, be a... Sorry, it might put more money in the back pockets of people who spend more, which is more the wealthy. But in the end, if, uh, if... 
fruit and vegetables are consumed higher, that'll probably improve the health okay. of low-income people. So, right. yeah, so it's, quite a, it's quite a mix, actually, with yeah, GST. More nuanced uh, than, uh, than perhaps at first read. Uh, let's bring Boopsy Moran Well, I here. guess the question is, is um, a bag of chips without GST or a banana without GST is still a $1 banana and the chips are cheaper. So... Um, I feel like we've had so many reports that say the monopoly is the issue in food cost and GST is just a Band-Aid. Would you agree or is that a thing? Oh, listen, I totally agree that the ultra-processed food system is the thing we're we're struggling with, that the cost of um, these foods that are are ultra-processed that do all the damage to health uh, and their availability, that's really the problem and we need to deal with that in a wider sense of which price is just one. Chris? Yeah, well, this topic comes up every couple of years. It gets pretty boring, really. Um, So you don't have GST on cabbage, but you do have it on coleslaw. And so you have this sort of tedious argument about what's processed and what's unprocessed, and it just goes round in circles. And so um, I've always maintained and believed that uh, the Labour government Uh, put GST on in the mid-80s. It's been a phenomenally successful tax and we uh, don't tinker with it and there have been a couple of Labour governments uh, since uh, the Roger Douglas government and and despite the political rhetoric, uh, GST, as we have it, has not fundamentally altered. I guess you can see why it's been raised though again and again is because, uh, Chris... uh for the average person, just buying a fundamental, by which I mean fruit and vegetables, it's tough. Even in Kandali, you'd know that. You know, you go there and you buy your cabbage, you buy your broccoli. It's really pricey for the family. Yeah, but, I mean, come back to my basic point. Do you take GST off a cabbage? What do you do with yeah. coleslaw? Yeah, boy. Yeah, I think, um, so, Chris, I think that is a lot of debate that happens, but I do think that, that we draw lines across food for lots of things. What can be promoted, what can be sold in schools, um, what can carry health claims. Um, there's lots of ways to draw lines across food. And, yes, right down at the, at the edge, it does get a bit fuzzy, but countries live with that, and I don't think that's as big an issue as what I said before about the policy objective and how much it works and its impact on low versus high-income people. So, um, you know, I think that, that is a big debate. It is a bit com- more complex, but I do think there are other things that can be done to improve and put some relief on, uh, for families. And one that we've just um, put out today on uh, the briefing is suggesting that Kaora uh, Kaako, which is the free healthy school lunches, currently available to a quarter of school children, should be doubled um, because of the benefits that it's providing not only to the children with better nutrition and higher school engagement, but also to the families and whānau in reducing those financial pressures. I totally agree because I ran into a restaurant chef who said he now provides school lunches in Nelson, and he says the difference in joy and learning at the school has been profound. Are there reports showing that, the benefits of healthy eating, what it does to learning as well as a holistic approach? Yes, absolutely, and um, Health Coalition Aotearoa, based on those evaluations, is calling for this doubling of um, of, of uh, reach of Kaoru Kaako, and there's a petition up on our website at the moment. But yes, the evaluations show 
that it definitely does improve nutrition. It, it, it feeds hungry kids. So rather than and, incentivizing people at the supermarket one at a time, you're kind of looking at it bigger. And instead of being small little changes on different items, you just can solve that side of the health and GST there, right? Yes, I think so. This is this is probably the biggest nutrition intervention that this country has had since school milk was introduced in the 1930s. Um, it's a massive school milk. program. Yes, I know. Gosh. I think it's better than school milk, to be honest. But, yeah, the fruits um, in the morning are, make a huge difference, I notice, when I work in schools. Um, yeah, just final point, Boyd? Yeah, no, it's just um, that it has a, quite a massive effect across kids, schools, whānau, and even the local food system getting more resilient uh, food systems locally, better local employment. So I really think that a doubling of kārakāko is one intervention that we can do right now that will have multiple benefits, including giving families a break on their weekly budget on healthy food. Okay, so I've got an idea. Maybe that rich guy who wants to increase taxes could um, help uh, the spread of that program. You're not going to give uh, it up, just, are you, Chris? Not, not just in your posh suburb of Greylin, Wallace, yep. but also in other parts of the country. <laughs> Two things. I don't live in Greylin. I live Mount way Eden. out. Mount uh, Eden. <laughs> you're probably so well paid at RNZ. Yeah, yeah. Blockhouse Bay. Look, anyway, uh, thanks, Chris. Um, and maybe uh, Malcolm, he said yesterday he does actually give uh, to support. But can I just ask you, Professor Swinburne, just finally, so maybe you look past the headlines to party might might look past the big headlines and say actually they might want to support kaora kaako this doubling of free lunches in schools and there is an actual proved way to help with the nutrition structurally yeah absolutely i think that's that's something that can be done now there's obviously a whole lot of things that can be done to improve income, things around minimum wages and taxes and benefits and so on. So the government needs to look at that. And then there are obviously longer-term ways of looking at the food system, the alternative social supermarkets, food hubs, food rescue and distribution networks. There's lots of different alternative pathways that we need to test out, I think. Good to have you on. Uh, Thank you, Boyd. Uh, That's uh, Professor Boyd Swinburne there, who is a professor in uh, nutrition and global health, Auckland University, 18 past four. Big response, quite mixed to our SNAP panel poll on ditching GST of food in Aotearoa. That's at 4.35. Definitely agree, no GST, says one. Uh, no to removing it in Aussie. You pay GST on a cooked chicken from the supermarket, but mm. not on an uncooked one. The intricacies of what's in and what's out is crazy. Well, yeah, cabbages versus coleslaw. Yep. No one answered my question. No, well, they did. <laughs> uh, they did. Because no, you boys, didn't answer yeah, it. They did because guess what? You can make it work. It's not the end of the world. Oh, Australia does it. Old hat thinking. But anyway, <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> 18 pounds for poor forestry practices mean the industry has lost its social licence in Tairawhiti due to a culture of poor practices and wide-scale forestry felling should be stopped immediately. That is what a report found. It's called Outrage to Optimism and it found that the lives and livelihoods 
that will put at risk. Many across the country were stunned at the scale of the issue after Cyclone Gabrielle, logs jamming rivers, some cases breaking them. Rach Stoltz, Gisborne's mayor, said her council is extremely disappointed in the findings, in the findings and fundamentally disagrees with the recommendations. With us is CEO of the Environmental Defence Society, Gary Taylor, who wrote about Slash long before Cyclone Gabrielle. Gary, welcome. Yes, hi, hi. Welcome to, yeah, good to have you here, Gary. The industry has lost its social license to operate. Pretty strong words there. Yeah, I mean, this is a report, uh, a a sort of an official report like no other that I've ever read. Um, It pulls no punches. It's very direct. um, And you can can kind of almost feel the, the anger that the reviewers felt at what they saw, you know, it's um, it's it's very directive. It's got a whole bunch of, um, I think, very useful recommendations, and I'm a bit surprised that the district council would take offence at it. Well, they it was yeah, it was a pretty strong word, wasn't it? For example, la- looking at Landy's practice, talking of untreated gully erosion, gully erosion. Quoting here is a cancer in the Waipu catchment. Reading, is, what did you make of the many recommendations? One being the establishment of a woody debris task force to coordinate cleanup, de-risk catchment debris, uh, and plan for and respond to future events. Good idea. Yeah, very good. Good idea. I mean, there there are two uh, two um, sort of bad practices that need addressing. One is slash and and what the panel has recommended is that it should be removed uh, and that we need to have this group set up to look at how to do that and how to manage it in future. And the other, of course, is the actually more dangerous and ubiquitous uh, presence of sediment, uh, which, you know, can kind of drown everything and has terrible effects in the coastal marine environment that are only just now starting to be uh, reported. Um, so I think, I think um, I mean, for me, as you know, um, the Environmental Defence Society focuses on the environmental side of things. Um, it, the report pulls no punches about the impacts on communities, and it's obviously for them to talk about what they think of that. But I think the key recommendation for us is that they do, they have agreed with our submission that the National Environmental Standards for Plantation Forestry need urgent overhaul. We've been arguing for that since 2019. Um, it's a far too permissive a, a regime. It reflects the, um, you know, the lobbying strength that the industry has had in recent years that they get a, um, you know, a, a, a much easier pathway in respect of their environmental responsibilities than any other sector. Right. I stay there, Gary. Let's bring the uh, Chris Finlayson in. Oh, hi, Gary. Nice to hear from you. Uh, well, I have no sympathy for the forestry companies. In fact, I can't understand why there hasn't been a class action uh, brought by people against them in the High Court at Gisborne and why people haven't sued them for nuisance. Uh, because what has been going on up there that's is really standing. Uh, that's really, uh, again, very strongly worded statement there. Yeah, but I, I, look, I go back to the time when I was Minister for Treaty Negotiations and I was dealing with Hekia's uh, brother Selwyn and the late Upi Mahuika 
uh, and uh, they raise these um, these environmental problems that Gary has referred to. Uh, and I remember Selwyn telling me that because of uh, all the erosion that Gary's referred to, the uh, the Waiapu River changed course and where there had been lovely swimming holes, it was all ruined. So it's been going on for years and uh, the people who are in the northern part of Tairawhiti have put up with this nonsense for far too long. So um, if, the reg- if the local council takes offence, well, bad luck for the regional council because something simply has to change. Good heavens. Uh, Chris Finneson here wondering why a class action uh, hasn't been taken on this issue. Stay there, Gary. Let's bring Boopsie Moran in. Yeah, so Gary, I guess the question is... Um, they made a mess, they should clean it up. And like if it was a oil spill and all the sea life was all messed up, people would quickly be asking them to clean up the mess. And if people haven't read the report, there's many videos, horrific footage of all the stuff that's going down in Tarafidi and the homes that are lost and the sustainability or lack of of their practices. So a good example, I guess, is if the Nahari is the forest is our treasure, um, like if it was Stewart Island... There's a way it's supposed to look. And we're letting this forest be not, you know, the forestry organizations are going into our treasure and doing this. Where is a way of punishing them for that? Or punish is the wrong adjective. But how do we make them accountable no, and pause? Punishing is a good word. And that's, <laughs> well, why, that's, I like why your taught, that's why we have a tort system where people who are negligent can get sued. And the law of nuisance would deal with this quite well. Mm-hmm. Yes, well you're, you're on to it, Chris. And, and I think... Uh, Ryan's and Fletcher is being dusted yeah, off and Fletcher, exactly. oil, uh, the lawyers' shelves. Mm. There, there are there are a number of people looking at uh, at a class action. And oh, lessons. great! And, and I, I'm I'm pretty confident that will happen. Mm. I, I also think that the the other end of this is apart from the regulatory settings, we've just got the wrong trees in the wrong place. Yes. Mm. And and what's required, and and I'm very pleased to see the panel recommended this is a world-class biodiversity incentive scheme to stimulate natives and reset the emissions trading scheme so that that can happen. Too many pine trees, not enough natives, not enough land stabilisation, and, and, you know, the panel's been, uh, you know, onto it. Just before you go, though, uh, Edge Dalt said, we have serious concerns with the unsubstantiated commentary in the report, as well as commentary which is outside the scope of the inquiry's terms of reference. So uh, you've also got a mayor who was also angry, Gary. What of yeah. that? Well, I, I saw that, and, and I've very carefully looked at the terms of reference because, of course, we presented a very extensive uh, submission ourselves and, and and they are very broad um, I'm, I'm respectful of, of, of the mayor and the chief executive there but they haven't uh, actually spelt out what they disagree with I, I suspect it may be something to do with uh, the criticism about their lack of connectivity with local uh, iwi but um, that's just speculation on my part I think overall the technical and the uh, restorative and the uh, emphasis on rebuilding and on equitable transition, all of that makes very good sense in the round to me. Very good, uh, Gary Kiota. Thank you for your time. That's Gary Taylor, the CEO of the Environmental Defence 
Society on that report out today. Pulls no punches, certainly. You are on the panel Friday afternoon, and thank you, panel family, for your company. It's wonderful to have you here. We have Boopsy Moran and Chris Finlayson this afternoon. I want to bring your attention to this. We got an email leaked to us. Uh, it's originally from the Auckland City Council. This on the back of massive cost savings that need to be gained. And uh, which is to the tune, uh, we're in the hole to the tune of $375 million. A shortfall would require an average rate increase of over 22%. But anyway, this email said, to quote, As part of the cost savings to reduce the financial challenges the council's facing, one of the items we've been reviewing to save money is the provision of our coffee machines and whether we need so many. We've identified that by reducing the number of coffee machines, we can save over $100,000 a year. So from Monday, May 22nd, we will begin to remove some of the coffee machines in our corporate offices. You'll still have access to a coffee machine for your fix. You'll need to go to another floor. In every kitchen hub, we will still provide instant coffee, tea, chocolate, milo, and fresh plunger coffee that can be ordered. And be careful when moving around the building with a hot beverage to avoid the risk of burn and injuries to you or your colleagues. So I just want to get a gauge with our panel on this. Is this penny-pinching, or is it important to draw the line across everything uh, when looking for savings? Bootsy. Um, Well, before I did teaching and community engagement, I was in hospitality and working here in New Zealand. One of the most important aspects was we got a staff meal. It was like that little thing that if you're serving and working and serving others all day, you deserve that much. And I believe for this kind of work, a cup of coffee to get you through the day is such a little ask and a little incentive. I can't imagine the cost effectiveness, just the time going up and down and maybe the ACC claims for the burn as they already forecasted. But everybody has to do their bit. When we have a we have a city that is so cash strapped, every little penny helps, sure. Well, if people like Google and Twitter are adding in house cooking, in house barber, all this, obviously there seems to be a trend that you need to have something for your staff to keep them their morale up. Chris, what, what, what do you think about the removal of coffee machines? Oh, I'd get rid of the whole lot of them because they make ghastly coffee, uh, and I'm surprised they're still there. People just go out and get a flat white I've these had days, their don't coffee, they? and they're delicious. I've oh, had well. exactly from one of those machines. And some, for me, when I work with community engagement and I get someone to those offices and I say, you can get a coffee there, that's kind of the only thing they're getting for their free time if they're coming to a workshop. Yeah, but, but um, Chris but it's is horrible. From, yeah, but Chris is from Wellington, oh. and they have... We have yeah. nice coffee shops what, what, everywhere. What? <laughs> Along the terrace, there are coffee shops where there used to be businesses. Well, I guess I'd need a report then on the money so lost. So why not just go and get a good yeah. coffee, is my point, and Chris's point. No, because there's money lost in going in and out, and if people are using them, they're saving time, and it's a hassle. Oh, a bit and, of fresh air, never cooled anyone. And maybe nowadays with um, cost-cutting, they're... Paychecks are smaller, so it's a little thing that they don't have to right. pay for. Can Chris, I tell you something? Yeah, Someone sent me an email. David, thank you for that. Salads, coleslaw, uh, sold from salad bars and supermarkets, are GST-free only in Australia if they're not marketed as prepared meals. So there you have it. There. Thank you, David, for that answer. Most useful. Chris Finlayson is getting real-time information yes. about GST in Australia, <laughs> uh, whereas I'm not. Unfair. Uh, um, but someone's we have, just texted me we, that, Bobsy, you hate me. 
<laughs> no, I'm, this is the most fun I've had on the panel. Oh, I this is most interesting. You. People are, do listen to Radio New Zealand. It's great. Well, you surpri- are you surprised? No, no, I'm delighted. <laughs> Wallace Thank can you, attest Bill. that I said I love yeah. Chris. She says she, does, she doesn't fun. hate me. There's a, yeah, um, big, uh, well, uh, can I tell you, Chris, uh, mm. people hated you about the your views on wealth tax. They love you on class action with forestry. Um, yes. But we oh, have yeah. a, we have a snap panel poll. Uh, the results in about four minutes' time, whether you think we should ditch GST off vegetables here in New Zealand. Text me. Last calls in. Yes or no. 2101.